morning. God is faithful to meet us. When we call out to him he, and we seek his faith, he, he shows up. And I, and I told you last Sunday night, we have to be careful when we pray prayers that we really believe what we're praying because he will show up. He may not show up in the ways we expect him to or maybe even the ways we want, to, want him to, but he will show up. When you pray, come Holy Spirit, he will come. He will speak to you. He wants nothing more than a relationship with you. Amen? Praise the Lord. Oh, God is good. All the time. He is, he is good. David, can you turn me down? Just Not off, but... Thank you. Thank you. I'm ringing in my ears up here. That's all right. Thank you. Uh, so I want, I want you to get your, your outline out and uh, your Bibles out. We're going to be... Uh, quite a few places in scripture this morning I'm going to have those on the screen for you as well but if you want to turn to the book of Matthew we've kind of been sitting in Matthew and it's been unintentional really I promise you that um, but Matthew 6 is where I want us to kind of sit as our as our main thought today our main our main um, grasp on scripture because as this scripture resonates with us everything else will make sense and uh, I truly believe that, and I'm trusting the Lord for that today. So Matthew 6, verse 33, is, is the main overarching theme of Scripture today. But I want to ask you some questions before we dive into that. Uh, I like to ask you questions because I want you to be thinking. I want you to be thinking about your current walk with the Lord. I want you to be thinking about February 2nd and when this uh, all-church fast begins, a 21-day fast, as we've been talking about prayer and fasting. What does that really mean? And, and we're going to unpack that even more today, give you some more tools today that will help us prepare for that time. Um, but I want to ask you this question. If you've got your outline out, you can get it out, and, and you can see here. Can you think back to what your life was like last year on January 19, 2019? Now, I had some, some time to think about that for myself and, and look back actually look back at the calendar and see I'm asking you this for the first time so I want you just to take a moment and think back to a year ago this time frame in your own life think about some of those things that were going on maybe some of those things in your family some of those things at your job maybe you can even recall some of those things we were dealing with here as a church I know for myself as I look back at the calendar from last year this weekend we had uh, a basketball tournament for Elliot, and so our weekend was full of basketball games, and uh, it was great, but uh, I just was reminded again as I look back that if you have children or grandchildren, uh, they can consume your calendar a lot of times, amen? Oh, come on, there's more grandkids that I see at ball games than that. <laughs> Benny, you going to the ball game tomorrow? No, okay. <laughs> no, it, our kids keep us busy. They keep us going. And so as I look back, I saw that, that tournament on the calendar. I saw that last year, how many of you knew that last year, a week ago last year, we canceled service? How many of you remembered that? A few of you? Yeah? Good. And so this was the Sunday that I preached the message that was intended to be preached the week before, and it was canceled due to, to, due to weather. I'm so thankful that it may be cold, but I'm so thankful that we're here today. Amen. 
And I think about, you know, as a church, I was, I was going to preach a message, and I preached a message about how good is good, but God calls us to greatness. And great is better than good. And so today, I thought it would be fitting that I just preach that all to you again, and then we'll pick up where we left off last week, okay? So fasten your seatbelts. I hope you didn't cook anything for lunch. Here we go. Um, I'm just teasing. Uh, some of you almost got up and walked out. I know it. So, uh, No, but I'm not going to do that. But uh, I do still believe that, that God calls us to greatness. And I believe that he's calling us to greatness because greatness is what he wants. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. So as I thought about last year, I thought about the new year and what that means for us as we go forward. And, and the question always comes up to, to me what do I want to accomplish this year? What goals do I have for this year? And maybe for you, it's the same thing. Do you remember where your family was last year? Do you remember where you were spiritually last year? Do you remember sitting here January thinking, God, what do you want to show me this year? What do you want to do through me and in me? And so today, I want to ask you this question. I want you you don't have to tell anybody. You don't even have to mark it today if you don't want your neighbor to see it. But I want to ask you this serious question today. What kind of year was last year for you spiritually? Spiritually. I've given you three choices there. Let me talk about it real quick. You don't have to mark something right away. Maybe you need to pray about this and think about it. I don't know. But here's the first one. Maybe last year was just spiritually apathetic for you. What does spiritually apathetic really mean? It means, you know, we had good intentions, but it was kind of just a eh, kind of year spiritually. Maybe you didn't really care much about the things of God. If, if it happened, you were okay with it, but it was just kind of, uh, it just didn't really have a, a drive for the things of God or for, for church or for spiritual things. You had good intentions to be a good person, but if you got sidetracked, it didn't really matter to you. You just would get sidetracked and accomplish what you needed to accomplish. You were kind of spiritually apathetic, didn't give it much thought. If that was describes your year last year spiritually, I want you to make an honest evaluation for yourself. The second one is this. Maybe you were spiritually inconsistent. This one covers a huge broad spectrum, I believe. And, and you were serious about your, your walk with the Lord. You were serious about being spiritual, but it wasn't your main priority. And you were, you were serious in January, and you read your Bible every single day in January. And then February hit, and you, you may have done it every other day. By, by, Jan, by June or July, you were lucky to even get it when you came to church. And you were just ups and downs spiritually. God's word started as something that was a priority for you. And, and you woke up just looking to start every day in his word. But then times would change and, and other things would take priority. And God was no longer the center of your attention. You would, you would then get back on track and you'd have serious moments of, I'm really going to make it work. I'm going I'm to get serious about my walk with the Lord. I'm going I'm to pray more. I'm going to get in his word more. And, and God's going to do a great thing. And you get onto this high mountaintop experience and God blesses you and he uses you. And then all of a sudden you're back down in the valley and you're thinking, man, God, why is this roller coaster of, of spiritual life really hitting me? And it was just the ups and the downs and maybe you were just hot and then cold and then inconsistent. I think we can all think about a time in our life when we were inconsistent. 
Or maybe you were this. Maybe you were spiritually consumed last year. Maybe you were spiritually consumed. The things of God were your top priority all year long. They consumed your life. You, you longed to be with God. You hungered and thirsted for Him and more of Him. And every day was a chance for you to spend a little bit more time with your Creator and your Savior. The things of, of God were priority. Daily you looked forward to getting in His Word. Your prayer life was powerful and it was, it was consuming you. you. You prayed with fervor and power. You were spiritually consumed. So whichever one of those is you from last year, 2019, I want you to think about that for a moment. I, want you to, to, I don't want you to sit there and just sulk in it, but I want you to think about it because now we get an opportunity once again to look forward. God, is, God has tarried long enough for us to enter a new year and a new season for us to continue to look back and say, how can I take that next step? I don't necessarily have to be perfect or get to perfection, but how can I take that next step and grow in my walk with him spiritually? And so it gives us an opportunity to make an evaluation and then look ahead at how we can really improve our life for this coming year. And so today, I want to give you a guarantee. It's a guarantee from Scripture. It's not, it's not my word or, or my guarantee, but it's God's word, and it's his guarantee for us today, I believe. And I guarantee you, if you follow his word in this scripture, your 2020 will be the best year you've ever had spiritually. I can guarantee you that. Now, I'm not going to guarantee you that you won't face problems. I'm not going to guarantee you that you won't have struggles and things won't be hard. But I guarantee you, if you follow this prompting from the Holy Spirit through God's word, your 2020 will be the best year you've ever had. So let's look at that passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along as I read. Notice the red letters. But seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Say this with, say, but seek, what are we seeking? Seek first. Say that with me. Seek first. Say it again. Seek first. Say it again. Seek first. You see, repetition is good. It doesn't say seek whenever you feel like it. So if you take 2020 and you start to live out this verse, I'm going to seek first God's kingdom. I'm going to seek out what he wants first in my life. I promise you that this year will be the best year you've ever had when you seek first the things of God. Now, I could stop there and that would make some of you very happy, but I'm not going to do that. I want to give you some, some tools today that should help us to put the first things first this year. That will help us as we get ready for February 2nd as a church, as a body of believers to, in, a, in, a, in a group, in a unified body here in Pittsfield. How can we do this together? As a church, my goal as your pastor is that we will seek first his kingdom. That we will seek first above all else. We will seek his will first. If he wants to do something in our life, we will say yes. Why? Because we're seeking him first. We're putting the first things first. So let's jump right into our outline this morning. We're going to be all over scripture here. How do we put the first things first? Number one, the first of each day, the first of the day, we're going to seek God. 
seek God. Let me first say this. I do not want to this to sound legalistic. I don't want this to sound like a, a man-made law or uh, the pastor says I have to do this or otherwise I'm not going to go to heaven. That's not it at all, okay? So please don't hear that. But I want you to hear from God's word how we can really apply this to our life. The first of the day, we want to seek God. Now, I don't want to be legalistic in the sense of, you know what, pastor, when I get up physically, I have to do something before I can do anything else. Otherwise, it's going to be a very big mess. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You need to go do that, okay? Do that. Don't sit here and condemn yourself if you've got to go to the restroom before you seek God first, okay? Don't condemn yourself if the first thing out of your, out of your mouth as you roll out of bed is, ugh. Don't, don't, don't condemn yourself for that, okay? But the first of the day, seek God. What does that mean for us? That means that, that the first thing that should consume our mind, that should consume our thoughts, should be the things of God. It should be, God, how can I live for you today? Let's look at the psalmist and what he says in Psalm 63, verse 1. It says, oh God, you are my God. And get this, early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Early I will seek you. Now, I know the first excuse that the enemy tried to put in your brain as soon as I said this was, but I'm not a morning person, and God knows that. He made me that way. And you were ready to defend that. Early is relative. <laughs> Can I say that? Early is relative. Now, I will tell you this. If, if we go about our day, the, the, there's, there's science behind this. If we, if we start our day seeking Him first and giving Him the, driver, the driver's seat and the keys to our life, then things are going to look a little bit different from our perspective. And if we seek him early, it gives us an opportunity to give the enemy a black eye right away. Amen? I don't know about you, but I don't want the enemy tagging along with me because I've forgotten to seek God first. Because he's got a way to kind of just nudge me and push me. And I will tell you this. As I have been praying and seeking God for this season of, for our church, one of the things that's happened to me has been really cool is that as I've, as I've sought the things of God first in my life, I'll get to the end of my day, and I have, I cannot tell you, I don't think I've ever done this before, in, especially in the month of January, where I've been this far into the new year, and I've been able to get to the end of the day and consciously say in my prayer time, God, thank you for being with me today. God, thank you for walking with me through whatever. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, you know what, I got to, I'm, I'm kind of a night owl myself. My wife is, she's an early riser and early to bed, and, and we're kind of opposite in that sense. But there's times when, when you just want to spend time together and be together. There's just times when you want to, to show your love just by doing what the other one wants. And so there was a night uh, just last week that Alicia said, you know what, I'm ready for bed. I know you're not. You just, you know, you stay up and, and watch your show, whatever you want to do. And I sat there. I said, okay. I said, good night, you know. Told her I loved her. She went to bed. And I sat there and I thought, you know what? Thank you, God, for this day. It's a good day. 
and I'm going to close it here. And I wasn't tired, but I went to bed, and I just laid next to my wife, and I was so thankful that God helped me that day to, to resist selfishness, to resist anything that could have came in and, and hindered me from seeking God first that day. That's free. That's just something that's happened to me this week, and I was thankful for it. But David says in the psalm, in the psalm, early I will seek you. First of the day, seek God. Then Jesus' method was this. We see it in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, I want to remind you of something in this, in this text. Jesus is not just some really cool dude with a great beard. Jesus is God in the flesh, okay? Jesus has been sent from heaven to earth as our example, as our, as our sacrifice. That hasn't happened yet. But if Jesus, the Son of God, needs to get up very early, why? So he could go off away from everything else to a solitary place by himself, where he prayed. What is prayer? We talked about it last week. Anybody here last week? What is prayer? Simply, what is prayer? Talking to God. We connect with him. Jesus is God himself in the flesh. Why would he need to? If Jesus had to get up very early to seek God, then maybe we need to think about that ourselves. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Before anything else happened, Jesus, God in the flesh, made the choice to put the first things first in his life. Before people began to, to hound him for healing, before people came to hound him for all that he had going on, very early Jesus chose to pray, to connect with God first thing in the morning. So maybe for you it just means something simple as maybe getting up a little bit early. How many of you, I'm just curious, how many of you have a, have a smartphone or a, a phone that connects to the internet? Many of you. Some of you don't, and that's okay. I understand that. If you don't, I've got another option for you. But if you have a, a smartphone, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this one. If you don't have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, that might be a great app to invest in. And it may help you in this endeavor. You can sit your phone. Most of us go to bed with our phone right next to us. And it's plugged in. It's charging. Some of us that, that are on call or have to do things that are important or that alarm goes off, we need our phone right there. Sometimes we go to bed and we sit there and we, we look all over the place for our phone. Why? Because our phone matters that much. Well, what if we had our Bible with us and it mattered that much? And some of you smart people, I won't say the other word, will say, well, my Bible's on my phone, Pastor. Uh -huh. Good. So you have that Bible app there. You can take your phone, <coughs> don't hit the snooze button, hit it off, and pull up the Bible app, <coughs> excuse me, and read his word first thing. If you don't have a smartphone and you don't need the Bible app, that's great. You probably have your Bible at your nightstand. And you can easily just flip that open, start seeking the first thing, what God has for you that day. It's a great opportunity to put the first things first. Maybe for you, it's as simple as before you even let your feet hit the ground, you say a prayer, God, thank you for another day. 
I don't care how you slept, how you didn't sleep, whatever could have happened in that night, if you could just make the conscious effort to put the first things first before your feet hit the ground, God, thank you for another day. Some of you have to go do some of those things we talked about earlier before you can seek first God and his things. But maybe I've said this before, one of my tricks is I shower with God. It's one of the first things I do is I've got to get up and get showered and get ready for the day. So I spend time in the shower talking with God. He sees me in my darkest moments anyway, right? So he might as well see me in my cleanest moments. Some of you will get that later. But um, shower with him. Talk to him. Thank him for the things that he blesses us with. So the first of the day, we want to seek God to put first things first. The second thing is this. The first of the week, we worship. We worship. Acts chapter 20 says, On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. The first day of the week. Many people think that Sunday is the end of the week. We kind of culminate all of our week into Sunday, and now we can kind of take a deep breath and exhale. No, it's the opposite. Sunday's the first day of a new week. So no matter what happened Monday through Saturday, Sunday's a fresh start. And Sunday's the day where we can come together and we can say, you know what, I'm going to put aside anything that I've got going on tomorrow, and I'm going to focus right now and worship. In the early church, and what this verse goes on to say, is they came together on the first day of the work, week to break bread together. That's fellowship. That's, that's worship. That's spending time with other people who are putting the first things first. I don't know about you, but if I'm trying to do something new in my life, I don't want to surround myself with people that don't think it can happen. Um, I'm going to put her on the spot, and she's going to yell at me later, but um, I'm thankful for Lydia Real, and I'm thankful for her when I see her at 6 in the morning. Um, I don't like to see Lydia at 6 in the morning, um, but I'm thankful to see Lydia at 6 in the morning because she's already been up for an hour doing what I'm about to do. And when I see Lydia smile at the gym, and her encouraging words to say, man, that was tough, but you're going to enjoy it. That's what she said to me Tuesday. I was like, I'm gonna be so, I was so sore I haven't gone since. So, <laughs> But I'm so thankful for Lydia, and, and she just, she puts that first thing first. And so it's easy if I want to, if I'm going to want to make that a priority in my life to surround myself with people who are doing the same thing. That's what, that's what church should be about. We should come in here and realize we don't have to come in here and sit with our arms crossed and think, boy, do they even know that I'm so mad at them right now? But rather we can come into church and say, man, it's all about you. I want to start my week saying, you know what? God loves you and so do I. And I'm so glad we're in this together. I'm so glad on the first day of the week, God had set this time aside for us to worship Him. Amen? The early church would come together and they'd break bread. They'd have communion. But you see, habits are hard to make, but they're easy to break. Habits are hard to make, but they're easy to break. Studies show us today that the, the, the regular attender of church, now listen to this very carefully, the regular attender of church goes to church between one and two times a month. 
one and two times a month. That's the regular attender. This isn't out of all the people who call themselves Christians. That's not even it. This is, this is all the people that they surveyed. This was, uh, what's it, Church Pew? I can't think of it now. Churchpew.com or something like that. They do these surveys of churches. And in this survey in, in 2018 was the last time they took this survey. It said of regular church attenders, not even people who claim Christ but don't ever practice it, people who say they're practicing believers in Christ, they go to church one to two times a month is a regular attendant. Listen to these numbers. 46%, 46%, almost half of the people who consider themselves regular church attenders go either one to two Sundays a month. Wow. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek joke when we go to these pastor conferences. And one of the first questions that you're usually asked is, how big is your church? It's the worst question to ask. But it, it, it gets asked, and that's, that's what some people talk about. And we say things like this. If everybody that came would show up at the same time, we'd be busting at the seams. Somebody asked me this week, if everybody came at the same time, would our sanctuary even hold them? I don't honestly know, but it would be great to find out. Amen? 46% of us that call ourselves Regular attenders come to church one to two times a month. In other words, we're not putting it as the priority. We're not putting it as a first thing. 22% of people who consider themselves regular church attenders go every week. 22%. Wow. Wow. That just amazed me. That blew me away. First of the week, we need to worship. We need to gather together with those that are like-minded and putting the first things first. And the Bible talks about it as well. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. There's some mornings that I don't like to see Lydia at 6 a.m., but I love seeing Lydia on Sunday mornings. I love seeing Chris on Sunday mornings. When they come into church, they still got that same smile on them. Amen? I love seeing all of you when you come in the door. I'm so glad you're here today. If I haven't told you that, I'm sorry. I'm glad you're here today. You have decided today to put the first thing first. Good for you. Let's just give yourself a hand. Sometimes we need encouragement. Some of you didn't want to come today. I can see it because you're wearing Chiefs jerseys. You know? Some of you didn't want to come today. But you're here, and you're putting the first thing first. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. The habits are hard to, hard to make, but they're easy to break. And somebody says, you know what? For, for, for fasting, I'm going to give up exercise. And I want to say, you haven't exercised since 1982. You're not giving anything up. And some people, they get in the habit, that's what the scripture is saying. They've been in the habit of not getting together. It's easy to, when you miss a Sunday of church, to say, you know what, I don't really need to go next week. They don't need me there anyway. There's going to be another hundred and, hundred and so there. It'll be okay. Yeah, but if everybody came together, just think of how much encouragement you could get from that. 
as we worship one God with one voice, as one body. Oh, man, that just gives me chills. If you know somebody, look around. If you know somebody who's not here today, that's normally here, that's a regular attendant, would you call them this week? Let's see if next week everybody who normally comes would come. Let's see if we can bust the scene to this place. Amen? First of the week, we want to worship. First of the day, we seek God. First of the month, putting first things first, we tithe. First of the month, we tithe. Again, this is not intended to be a legalistic point of view on worship. But tithing is an act of worship. Every income, everything, bring it to God. The scripture tells us this in Leviticus. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Leviticus 27.30. A tithe, the original Hebrew word for tithe, literally means 10%. 10%. What I love about this scripture is it says a tithe of some things we bring in. Right? Some of you aren't paying attention. A tithe of everything. Everything comes in. A tithe comes in. And here's, here's what I love about this. It belongs to the Lord. Did you know that everything you have is already His? Everything you've been given was His to begin with. You've just been elected manager to take care of it. It belongs to Him. But get this, and I didn't underline it. I want you to say this with me. It is holy. Say that. It is holy. The word holy literally means set apart. It's set apart. So if the first of the month we are supposed to tithe... What, of, of everything that comes in. People say we give our tithes. That's not proper terminology, okay? It already belongs to God. What we do is we bring the tithe to him. It's set apart. It's different from the rest. And you might be saying, Pastor, if I, if I started doing this 10% of my income, that's huge. That'll, that'll totally and drastically change everything about my life. Duh. That's what he wants. For us to drastically put him first. Because what did Matthew say? 633, seek first his kingdom. And then guess what? All these things will be added to you. Well, pastor, my 90 can't get my 100. If I seek him first, his 90 is more than your 100. Pastor, I, I get paid more than month, once a month. I get paid weekly. Guess what I do? Every week, I write a check. I put it in there. Because I have a story that I'm not proud of. When I put God to the test. That I put my family through it. When, when we're going to church, a regular church attender, we started this building campaign, and I've shared this story with you before. And I manage the finances in our home, and we sit down in the pastor's preaching to us about giving to a building fund and my wife looks at me and says oh this would be great we should do this I said we can't afford it she said what are we doing now aren't we tithing can't we give a little bit more I said no we haven't even been tithing broke my wife's heart and she looked at me square in the eye and she said you better start tithing right now because it doesn't just affect you it affects me and I will tell you this by the grace of God as we continue to be faithful to him, 
I haven't had one bill go back into collections. I haven't had one car taken back. <laughs> I've been able to tithe regularly, and in fact, I've been able to give more than my tithe. I've been able to give an offering. And all because of God's glory. Why? Because His 90 goes farther than my 100. When I try to do it in my own strength and power, He says, you're weak. I can do it better, just trust me. Seek first his kingdom. Pastor, that's Old Testament. That's old law. That doesn't apply to me. Hey, we're New Testament Christians. We're New Testament believers. You're right. Let's look at the New Testament and what it says about tithing. Matthew 23, 23. Hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. You see, what's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is not somebody... We think the church is full of hypocrites. Well, they say this, but they don't live it out. That's not what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite says to do something, we're going to tithe even the tiniest of this, but we're going to neglect these other things that are still just as important. We're going to tell you that this is the most important thing, but we're going to go out here and we're going to live in a totally different way. It's kind of like this. I told my son, who's starting to drive, I said... Ian, here's the thing. I've been driving longer than you've been alive. So here's what I want you to remember. You drive the way we tell you to, not the way you see. Didn't I say that? I said that to you, didn't I? Yeah. And I, this is what I said to him. I said, because I've developed bad habits. There's times when I'm going to, is there a cop in here? There's times when I'm driving from this parking lot to my house, two, three blocks away, that I don't put my seatbelt on. I know, I know. <laughs> this, the, here's the cool thing. This morning, this morning I did, okay? I put my seatbelt on, and when I came around the corner at 6.45 this morning to come in the parking lot, guess who's sitting in our parking lot? Police officer. I thought, I'm good today. <laughs> But that thing will bing at me, it'll, it'll yell at me, and I'm so, I'm so grudgingly thankful for that bell in that van. Um, but that's what I told Ian, that's hypocritical. Do, do what I say, but don't do what I do. And Jesus is saying, hypocrites, you'll tithe on the, even the tiniest little leaf in your garden, but you're ignoring the most important things. And Jesus says this, yes, you should tithe. Yes, but don't neglect the more important things. So in other words, Jesus is saying to us, I'm going to assume if you're a follower of mine, you're going to tithe. And you're also going to know that there's more important things, justice, mercy, faith. But he's saying it in the, in the, in the context of saying, you should tithe, you, you should already be doing that. It's a given in his mind. We should already know that. And Jesus is saying, yes, do it. But don't forget, there's other things that go along with it. Amen? First of the month, we tithe. It's not a legalistic rule to follow. You see, in the Old Testament, it was sacrificial, and it became another rule. It became very legalistic. But Jesus says in the New Testament, you should tithe, yes, but don't neglect that there are more things that God wants to do. Matthew 6, 33 Seek God first, and all of these things will be given to you. 
everything we think we have to sacrifice and give up to do this. God will give us all that we need. First of the day, we want to seek God. First of the week, we come to worship. First of the month, we tithe. Finally, number four, first of the year, we fast. Joel says this, declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Declare a holy fast. Holy, that word just came up again. What does holy mean? Set apart, different than the rest. Declare a holy fast. That's what we're doing as a church. It says, call a sacred assembly. Did you realize this is a sacred assembly? This is what he's talking about. We're the people of God coming to hear the, the word of God so that we can live it out. It's a sacred assembly. It's, it's special. It's set apart. It says, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord. The elders in this time were those that had the experience, that, that, were, that were older, that knew better, that, that had some authority and some clout. Guess what? I've been on the board members since December saying, this is coming. Get ready. We've called the elders of the church. We've called the staff. We've called the board. I can't tell you, and I'm going to put her on the spot. She's going to hate me Tuesday when I come in. But Marilyn's coming in. I can't wait for this. And the next day, she's like, I really started thinking about it. This is going to be hard. Yes, we're going to do it, though. Why? Because the Bible tells us to declare a holy fast, a set-apart time where we disconnect from the things that aren't God, and we connect to Him. Wow. Pray and fast. We want to connect to God. We want to disconnect from the world. A holy fast. Jesus did not ask us or command us to do this. Once again, in the New Testament, he assumed that as followers of Christ, we would do this. In Matthew chapter 6, 17 and 18, this is what he says. But when you fast, notice that. But when you fast, he doesn't say if you fast. He doesn't say, if you feel like fasting. He's talking to his followers and he says, but when you fast, in other words, I'm going to assume if you're following me, you're going to do this. Why? Because it's important for you to disconnect from the things that are not God and connect with God. Amen? Put oil on your head and wash your face. The 2020 version of that is, take a shower and change your clothes. Seriously. People don't need to really have, you don't need to put, bring the attention to yourself. And you may say, Pastor, you're spending a whole month on this. We're bringing a lot of attention. Well, that's, we, I'm trying to teach us of what this really means. It's saying, you know, wash your face, put on a change of clothes, and go about doing the things of your life. Men that you are fasting, be, don't let it be obvious to men that you are fasting. So what am I supposed to do, Pastor, when somebody asks me to go to lunch, and I, and I go to lunch with them, and then I refuse to eat that just looks bad you don't have to lie or hide it from them as I've been studying what it means to fast it means that some of those regular things that we do we need to stop doing during this time that's just another thing we can dis disconnect from don't set yourself up for failure if it's February 10th and you've given up a certain kind of whatever fast if it's a meal or, or you're just fasting food that day or whatever don't accept the invitation. 
hey, you want to go to lunch today? We can go grab something here and go eat and, and visit a little bit. Just say, no, I can't today. I, I'm, I'm focused on some other things. Nobody needs to know. You don't need to draw attention to yourself. It says, so that men, it's not obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see, God doesn't just see our actions. He sees our motives and our intentions. And if, if we're going to do a prayer and a fasting time, but we're doing it just to punish ourselves, that's not the right reason. If you're just going to fast to starve yourself, that's not fasting. That's human neglect. That's not what Jesus is asking. He's saying, I want you to disconnect from the world, and I want you to connect with me. I've got something I want to show you. I've got something I want you to do. I've got some things that I need your attention on. You see, Jesus is assuming that we will do this. Jesus says, God's kingdom is so important to us that we will fast and we will pray so that that connection can continue to be strengthened. So I want to close with a couple of thoughts on fasting. And I want to give you a tool that will help you. And so I need four volunteers. I'm not going to embarrass you. I need you to actually hand something out. Can I get a volunteer from each section down here? And somebody over here will run the balcony for me. That, can you do that? Just Yeah, thank you. Oh, man, you guys are quick. So there's some booklets right here. And Greg, there's some on that front pew over there. Andy, there's some over there on the front pew over there. We have a good crowd today, and so if we need to make more, we'll make more. But take one of these if you want one of these tools. This is a prayer guide that I've put together for a 21-day prayer guide. And I'm giving it to you now so you can begin to look it over and think about some things that are happening. And so as they're passing these out, if you have any extra guys when you get there, would you take them up to the balcony so that they can have that as well? You see, there's different kinds of fasts that can be done. A fast, simply put, is something that we are, are connected to in the world that we're disconnecting from. We talked about how our body, soul, and spirit were the only triune creation in God's whole creation. And body, soul, and spirit dominate our world. That's how we live. And so if something is dominating with the body, our hunger pangs that we talk about when we're fasting food, that, that our body says, hey, buddy, you need to eat. I need you to eat something because I'm hungry. That's a body thing, and then our minds get consumed with it, and that what drives everything we do. We get emotional, and our soul is impacted, but then our spirit is neglected in those moments. And what prayer and fasting does, we talked about it last week, prayer connects us with God, fasting disconnects us from the world, so that when we do those two things, spirit dominates body and soul. And so we're the only triune being, and so we've got to do things that will help us to disconnect from the world and to connect with God. So there's, there's all kinds of different fasts that can be done. Some of those things that can be done, and this is not in your guide, so if you don't have it yet, just keep listening for a minute. There's things that people do, they'll go on a, on a, on a one-day fast. There was, there was talk, if you study John Wesley's life, who's one of the, um, everybody up there get one that wanted one? Good, okay, I think we're good, thank you. If you didn't get one and you want one, we have some extras, so please... Uh, let us know. We want to make sure if you want one of these tools that you get one of these tools. I really believe it's going to help us in this, in this season of, of life as our church. So what they said is that John Wesley, he, he, would, he would practice this, but he would also require it of all of his pastors that he was training, is that, that a specific day of the week they would fast. 
food. They would fast at all. They would not eat on that day, and they would focus on connecting with God. There's three-day fasts. There's seven-day fasts. There's, there's all sorts of different fasts. In Scripture, there are re three recorded 40-day fasts, including Jesus in the wilderness. Daniel did a 21-day fast that we talked about briefly last week. And so I want us to just recap from last week. Why are we doing this? Because the Bible says to us that we are unbelieving and perverse. And Jesus said to us, followers of him, you are unbelieving and perverse. You have little faith. And they went to him in private and they said, what can we do about it? He says, you need to pray and fast. We are not connected to God. We're unbelieving. We're too connected to the world. We're perverse. And we need to connect to God by prayer. And we need to disconnect from the world by fasting. So last week we talked about, we're going to set the objective. And I think these are on your screen as well. So we're going to declare dependence on God, ask forgiveness, focus on the eternal, invite the presence of God, and believe for specific answers. That's the objective. If we're trying to do this in our own, we're going to fail. If we're so prideful that we don't think we need to, to tell God, God, I'm sorry, then we're going to fail. If we don't focus on the eternal and we only focus on the things we can see, we're going to miss it. And we can't do it unless we say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And we've got to believe that what we're praying and seeking God for, the direction of our church, the direction of your life spiritually, whatever it is that you want victory in in 2020, believe for those specific answers. Believe for it. Number two, we're going to decide on the fast. And so that's what we've kind of done for you, okay? We're declaring a 21-day fast for our church. We have decided on the, fa on, on the fast in, in one way. We've decided on the length of the fast. You will get to decide on what you will fast, what you will disconnect from. Will it be food? Will it be a beverage? Will it be time-consuming things? Other things that consume you with things that are not of God. If we really want to go back to that first question that we asked today, and we want 2020, we want to be able to check that I was spiritually consumed with the things of God, we have got to pray and fast as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, somebody would say to me, Pastor, it, it needs to be food because it, it, that's what fasting is about. And I, I want to say to you, I don't want to be legalistic in that either, okay? I want us to have some grace in that. But what I have learned as I've been studying this for quite a while now is that anytime somebody fasts with this purpose in mind, they were denying something that was physical, okay? When we tell the body how to control, how we control the body with what we tell it to do. There's something spiritual about that, okay? Again, we're the triune creation. If the body is dominating, consuming our life, the spirit is neglected. So by prayer and fasting, it needs to be something physical. So if you have health restrictions that don't allow you to fast food, that's okay. But I would challenge you, I would encourage you, find something that is a physical challenge for you that's going to cause your body to think twice about what you're doing, okay? A physical commitment to this fast is what we're looking for. And there's a powerful thing when we deny self. One, one time there was a time in my life I felt called to, to do a seven-day fast, complete fast from food. I only drank juices and, and uh, liquids. And I got to day six, and after about day four, that physical act of putting something in my mouth was something I thought of every single day. I can't believe I'm not putting something in my mouth. 
And then by day six, I got to the point where I just felt like I was starving myself. And I talked to my wife about it, and I said, Alicia, I, I'm struggling with this because I felt like God called me to a seven-day fast, but I feel like I'm, I'm so focused on the fast that I'm not really focused on connecting with Him. And we went to church that week, and one of the associates at our church in Kansas City was preaching, and he was preaching on, on this passage on prayer and fasting. And he said, you know what? Fasting is not supposed to be a punishment. And if you're starving yourself, you're not really doing the purpose that God has for you. And I looked at my wife, and she just smiled. She goes, okay, you better eat, because you're not focused where you need to focus. Why is it, what's the purpose of prayer and fasting? To connect with God, disconnect from the world, okay? So take out um, this, this prayer guide. Looking at this, this is a 21-day 20 prayer and fasting guide, your personal prayer guide. If we don't pray and connect with God, the fasting will be impossible. Okay, we've got to pray. We've got to seek his face. So on the first page is a little bit of a letter from, from me as your pastor, kind of just highlighting what we're going to be doing in this, in this moment and why we're doing it as a church together. So you can read that on your own. You've got a table of contents next. And then you have here some lifestyle prayers. Some of us have gone through life, even as Christians, and we don't really know how to pray. And we've taught on prayer. We've preached on prayer before. But this will give us all a way to go and a way to get started. If you struggle in your prayer life, maybe it's because you haven't practiced it enough or you haven't done it enough, that's okay. Now's the time to really focus in on what this means. So here's a couple pages here. It's called the Lifestyle Prayer. And again, it talks about a certain time, a certain place, and a certain plan. If we have that, like Jesus got away very early in the morning, the first of the day, he sought the Father. And then the second thing in there is the Lord's Prayer. And it teaches us through the Lord's Prayer, what all the parts of the Lord's Prayer are, how he teaches his disciples to pray. And there's seven different points on that that can help us pray through the Lord's Prayer. And then past that, there's a prayer and scriptural devotional. So if you, have, if you struggle finding devotional material or things that can help you and keep you encouraged during this time to really connect with God, Pages 9 and 10 there are some devotional scriptures that can help guide your time with the Lord. And then page 10, this is very important. Page 10, 11, and 12. I called them warfare prayers. Anytime God's people will humble themselves and seek God's face, the enemy doesn't like it. It's going to be hard. I would almost guarantee you that come February 2nd, we're going to hear about a lot of problems that people are going through. Because you've committed to this. You've decided, God, I'm going to put you first. And the enemy doesn't like that. And before this can become a habit, before this can become a discipline for you, the enemy is going to come in and say, it's so much easier to break habits than start them. We need to connect with God. So these warfare prayers help us to put on God's armor. They're warfare prayers to defeat the enemy. And then after that, you see page 13, our personal prayer targets. Some of these I've filled in for you. So you see there's uh, pray, pray for those in authority and those under your authority. Uh, my government, I filled in a couple of one of those things, but I listed out some other offices that you can list names there and pray for them. Your family. 
uh, your spouse, your children, grandchildren, parents and siblings, extended family. I didn't fill those out for you. I think you can do that, okay? My church, I did fill those out for you. Sometimes you guys forget who we are. That's okay. But I'm just reminding you right here. Uh, we need your prayers. We need your prayers. And I thank you for those that, that pray for us on a regular basis. It means a lot. Pray for your church board, our leadership team. We had, we had a long board meeting this week once again. Why? Because there's things that are going on that we're dealing with. And we need to be seeking God together. Pray and fasting so that we can handle some of these situations we're dealing with. Pray for your small group, your, your community life group, and your Sunday school class. Pray for your teacher who's leading that, your other members of your class, my life, your employer, coworkers, employees, those you influence, those who need God, that's a very important one too. We need to pray for the prodigals to come home. Amen? We need to pray for those that are lost to come home. And then you'll see on the last page there are prayer requests. And then on the back page, there's a date column and the date that's answered to you. I want you to keep a prayer journal during this time. I've, I've given the board members uh, specific prayer journals that they can be using if they so choose. I want to encourage you to get one. We have some extra that I'm going to have available next week uh, that we'll have out on the welcome table, but I will tell you that I don't have enough for everybody. So uh, if, if you have something that, that you can use as a prayer journal, I want you to use that. Carry that with you. I've got mine with me this morning on the front, front row. If God puts something on my mind, I want to be able to write it down and put it in there and know I'm connecting with Him. Okay? So next week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you another tool. So I want you to hang on to this tool. I'm going to give you another tool next week. We're going to break down the 21 days. And for each day, we're going to have a focused area of prayer as a church that we're praying for. And so during that day, you can pray all of your different prayers that you pray in your time with God. But as a church, we need to be collectively praying and united over the same things. And so we're going to give you a list of 21 different items, one for each day, that we can be praying together for as a church. And we will also be talking about next week how there will be some some times when the church is open for you to come and to pray. Uh, if you'd like prayer walks and you want to come pray and walk the church grounds and the church building, uh, that's always available to you, and we want to encourage you to do that. So uh, get a friend. Get somebody who's going, with, going on this journey with us to do it with you, and it'll be a great opportunity to commit that time to the Lord and what he wants us to do. So you've got a tool in front of you. Again, I ask you to do this. Let's commit this together. We want to connect to God. I want you to be praying about this. I don't want you just to flippantly think about, oh, I'm just going gonna, gonna to give up exercise and you haven't exercised since 1982. I don't want you to do that. I want you to really be serious about what God wants to do in your life. If you really want to seek God first, He will give you everything else that you need. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you once again for being in this place. I thank you for giving us your word that you can use to encourage us and, and, and give us those promises that we need to keep us going. But I also thank you, Lord, for, your, for that same word that can convict us and challenge us and push us on to a closer walk with you. God, I pray for every person in this room every person in this room, and in fact, I pray for every person in this church because we're giving a prayer guide to all the children as well, that they can have it on their, their level as well. God, I pray that every person 
would seek you first in this moment. That as we seek you first and your kingdom first as individuals, you, your word tells us in Matthew that if we seek you first, then all of these things that we need will be given. God, I pray that you give us what we need. But I pray that you give us opportunities to seek you first. And God, I pray that as we do that as individuals, that it will just continue to, to spill over as a church. And that as we come together, united in this purpose to really connect with you and disconnect from the things that are not of you. I pray, God, that you will show us your will and your way for the days to come. May we look back on 2020 and check a box that shows that we've taken the next step in walking closer with you. We love you. We give you praise and thanks for everything that you've done, everything that you're doing, and God, everything that you're going to do. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock, over in the Family Center.